He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. Alright guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamir Amrabian, joined by Stephen Brown and special guest. We talk quite often, we talked in the summer, we're here again to preview OU Texas, Gerald Goodridge from Burn Orange Nation. Gerald, how's life, man? Life is good, life is good. Um, I mean... It's it's football season, I so I'm probably developing an ulcer. But other than that, <laughs> things are going pretty well. Uh, we're feeling all right so far, but we'll see how we feel at like two thirty ish on Saturday. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. It that that it's it's the one game of the year where like if if already you if OU were to have lost to let's say West Virginia, I'd be like really down about it. But I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, we'll move on. But. If OU loses to Texas, it's a totally different type of anger and being upset. And so, yeah, this week is this week is an interesting week. Stephen, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. I just started a diet uh, two days ago, so I'm barely already hanging in there. It's just like everything just is so frustrating to me right is now. Is it going to be a situation where you are starting a diet and another diet in like four days? It might be that. It might be that. I'm trying to make it through the week so we can get to Saturday. We can eat some good food, probably drink a little bit, but I have to be good during the week. So we got two more days. Hey, man. I, hey, man. Just, just just, stick to it. I eat my feelings on college football Saturdays, especially <laughs> when, when Texas loses. So like, uh-huh. that's why. It's not the marriage, not the kids. It's been the decade of Texas football that has put the weight on me. So that's that's where we're at. Here. See, that's that's the thing for me. When during OU football games, I don't eat. I don't eat my feelings. Like I will actively not eat during games because I get like, nauseous or anxious, especially if OU's playing teams close, like they have the <laughs> entire damn year. Oh my god! But so let's talk about this game, Dallas, Texas. Uh, stay fair, 11 a.m. Spread is OU three and a half, which is like shit. Feels like it should be closer. <laughs> and over and under is 63 and a half. Man, let's let's just die. We got some questions for you, Gerald, from the Texas side. Let's just dive on into them. So. Do it. We talked before the season in your previews, and I said things about Casey Thompson. I said, man, I don't know if he's the answer, because uh, uh, originally Sarkeesian, Sark went with Card. Um, so now, in your opinion, in the, in the fan base's opinion, in the Pulse, what's your opinion on Casey being the guy at Texas right now? So there's... The hard part about the the quarterback conversation is like, I don't think you'll find anybody that'll say that that Casey Thompson is the more physically gifted quarterback. 
there's not somebody that'll say that that Hudson Card because Hudson Card had all the right accolades and I think all that's true. But I think the differentiator between the two of them and, and what the conversation really lives and dies on is the reasons that Hudson Card struggled are the things that make Hudson Card great. He wants the ball in his hands. He wants to make a play. He trusts his arm to make a play. And that's not necessarily what you need in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, especially with the issues that Texas is trying to work out along the offensive line. Um, the, when they made the switch to Casey Thompson, what you saw was a guy who knows his role and knows what he's asked to do in the offense. And he spends a lot of time. He's a grad student. I think he's taking like one class. So he basically mm-hmm. fills his day with like, I go to practice, I work out, I do my one class and then I watch film. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of his rhythm. And so he's able to make his reads really, really quickly. He's able to go through and identify what he's going to do. And I think the, the biggest differentiator is that where Hudson card would try to make a play Casey Thompson's willing to take the four yards. Cause that's a positive play. That's keeping you on schedule. That is, we'll show up in the right column. And so when he came into the, the offense, what you saw is a guy who will take the check down. He'll take the five yards and scramble. And that's mm-hmm. been a big differentiator for him because it cre- it keeps Texas ahead of the chains and he keeps Texas on schedule. And Sark rewards that. And, and the system rewards that as well. So just playing within the offense and not making those mistakes downfield that Spencer Rattler might take a shot on. And so, <laughs> so I guess my next a follow-up, I guess, would be there was something that came out on, on the internet, of course, <laughs> on Twitter, about Casey Thompson saying, oh, you trying to flip him to be in the OU quarterback room. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, if Lincoln Riley wants a quarterback, then I then I like feels like a feather in a cap, right? Like that yeah. to me. Anybody that yeah. Lincoln Riley wants, it, it, there are guys that I call like my canaries and coal mines for positions. Mm-hmm. And like, if Lincoln Riley wants a quarterback or Bill Beatonball wants an offensive lineman, then I'm like all in. Throw all the chips in the center of the table. Yeah. So I like, I I I feel like that's a compliment. I feel like that's. And, and, you know, there's all the OU family ties with him and there's all of that there. And so it's, it's a, it's it, in my mind, it's a feather in the cap for, for him. And I think he's a guy who uh, is it thrives on confidence and thrives on his ability to kind of believe in himself. And so again, it, it allows him to hopefully rise higher. And, and I, I, you know what, again, if OU wanted him, I feel like that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> There's one guy that OU didn't really want, and uh, he might be the centerpiece of that Texas offense. It's Bijan Robinson, um, a guy that Oklahoma probably, um, just going around recruiting circles, Oklahoma could probably could have had him at some point, but chose to go after Jace McClellan and Seth McGowan. Um, so talk to us about Bijan Robinson. How does Texas use him? What's he going to do on Saturday? So – the the big thing with Bijan Robinson is like he really thrives in that like outside zone scheme that Sarkeesian has been running a lot of. And that's honestly what the offensive line does best if they're you've got a lot of guys that play well kind of motion in motion and kind of pulling. And so um Bijan's a guy who will find a scene, put a foot in the dirt, and then go upfield. And that's that works when you're running outside zone. That gets you kind of it, mm-hmm. I almost call it like a boring six yards it's like the most boring six seven yard chunk plays you'll ever see because right. he'll put a foot in the dirt and he might even like use contact from a defender to keep himself up there are a couple spots against TCU where he was kind of going down somebody tried to take kind of take his legs out from underneath him and he was able to use kind of his 
his contact balance is kind of off the charts almost. And so able to use that to, to accelerate and to keep his, uh, keep himself going. Sark has shown that he's not afraid to uh, put carries on the young man. You know, one of the biggest knocks on Tom Herman was that he didn't get him carries in some key games. The OU game is a little overblown from last year because like the week before Bijan got folded in half on a, <laughs> on a play. And so like, he's probably not at a hundred percent last year against OU, but you know, Sark said going into the season, there'll be games where Bijan gets 20 and 25 touches and he got 35 against TCU and he got better as the game went on. I think that was the thing for me is that he's a guy who's in really good physical condition. He's one of those specimen kind of kids. And so he's able to grind it out in the fourth quarter and get you tough yards and win games for you. So you worried at all about just the, the overall workload for Bijan Robinson, because for Texas, they seem to be very committed to getting him the ball whenever they want to. Um, that's pretty much the opposite for Oklahoma when you look at Kennedy Brooks and uh, Eric Gray. I haven't been 20 in like 15 years, so I don't remember what it feels like, but like I'm at a point where like if I sleep wrong, I, I am out of commission for a couple of days. And he was like up and bouncing, at, you know, on Monday during press availability. Right. He said, that, you know, I'm sore after, I think the quote was, I'm sore after every game, but I'm ready to go. And so like, He's not a guy who I think I'm super worried about. Again, he takes really good care of his body. He's like, I'm not the guy to like fawn over the off season, like shirtless picks. But like, if I was built like that, I'd burn every shirt I owned and never wear another <laughs> shirt. Yeah. Like he's just a guy who takes really good care of his body. Crop uh, tops for straight. days. Absolutely. Dude. I would, there would not be a sleeve left in my house. I'd take the sleeves off my kids' shirts. My wife wouldn't No sleeves or a sleeveless <laughs> mm-hmm. household. If I had a body like that, but, um, you know, Texas's strength and conditioning program has taken kind of a step forward uh, under Steve Sarkeesian. He's kind of adopting what Alabama does from a nutrition strength and conditioning standpoint. And so I'm not super concerned about the workload. Again, if it's 35 carries every game, then I start to get concerned. But when it's winning time, he's a kid that wants the ball in his hands. And so I'm not going to say no to that. And that and that's one of the things about when I, when I was watching that TCU game last week, I was like, man, they're really like, using this guy as a workhorse and we haven't we haven't seen we haven't seen that in college football or really NFL football in quite some time I was like holy crap he's over 30 carries and putting the TCU game away it just like and like you said a very a very like un unex, unexciting six yards but it's death yeah. by a thousand cuts and then of course you know he's gonna break one those jump cuts that he has are incredible and it makes me so, so, because Steven talked about it, like, I cannot believe he was incredibly interested in the University of Oklahoma. And he's like, no, we're going to go chase backs that will get committed, but then he'll eventually flip to, <laughs> flip to Alabama. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, we all know the story about the other running back that is no longer on the team uh, for OU. But so, Gerald, what would you say, as far as Texas goes, because we talked about this in the offseason, what would you say some of their weaknesses are and some of their strengths are? I'll start with the weaknesses because I think this is it's always easier to talk about like the weaknesses, right? I think the, the biggest weaknesses for Texas, I think, are communication along the offensive line, which is absolutely terrifying when you're playing an Alex Grinch defense because uh, he's going to run twists and twists and stunts. And uh, so that's something that concerns me quite a bit. It's honestly uh, keeping me up at night. I mentioned it probably 14 times in the 45 minutes I recorded my podcast before this. Uh, is like that's terrifying to me. And I yeah. think Texas has not really been able to connect 
on a ton of deep passes. That's probably Casey Thompson's biggest mm. glaring weakness. He just his his deep balls tend to float a little bit. He doesn't have as much umph on some of those deep balls. And so, uh, you know, the interceptions you've seen him throw this year are all on deep passes where he's trying to connect with the receiver. The one against TCU was a little bit of a misnomer because I think what he was trying to do was force the official to throw a pass interference flag because the TCU defender literally had the receiver by the Jersey. And so he was trying to force him to throw the pass yep. or throw the flag. And so like that one's a little bit of a different thing. And the, t- the official sucked that game, but that's a whole separate conversation. So I think probably those are the two biggest glaring weaknesses you can talk about. Is like, should, we, ha- line- should we have an sec official uh, official crew officiating this game? Are they any better? <laughs> are they, are they like are, big 12 officials are trash, but I don't necessarily know like if the sec officials are that much better. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, might be good. Could it be any worse? Is yeah, that, that's I guess true. That's no, it couldn't be any worse. There's no <laughs> yeah. way. I, yeah, it's fine. I almost, I almost, my wife and I were out of town for, for a weekend and now I almost ruined an afternoon off some of those calls. It's like, this is, this is, <laughs> but uh, those are the two things that like really concern me. Cause if Texas can't connect on those deep balls, then mm-hmm. OU can slide a safety up into the box and really limit what Texas can do on right. the ground. So if Texas can, if, if, you know, Sark has said he's going to keep calling them. He believes that, like, you know, if you're a 50 percent shooter and you miss your first 10, then you got to hit the next 10. And that's kind of his philosophy, calling those deep balls. So he'll continue to call those. And I think if Casey can connect on one or two of those, uh, then then that could be good. But, but we haven't seen it yet. It hasn't been mm-hmm. great for Texas. So I'm not super confident in it. I think, you know. When you talk about strengths, especially on the offensive side, I mean, B. John Robinson, it's hard to – I'm running out of superlatives for that guy, and I think when Sark calls plays that fit what his offensive line can do and what Bijan can do – there's not a ton of there are not a ton of teams on the schedule that can that can stop it that and so that to me sets up everything else for the offense is like mm. if Sark is, is really hitting those outside zone plays and and putting Bijan in a position where like there's not a cornerback in the country that's going to tackle him one on one without him getting seven or eight yards so putting him on the edges. And I think depth in that running back room is something else that not a lot of people are talking about. You know, Texas has, you know, behind Bijan, Roshan Johnson was their was their running back number one last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, next to next to Keontae Ingram, they got an Alabama transfer and Keelan Robinson, who folks are clamoring for him to get more carries, but uh he's a guy who after you've been beating on teams with Bijan for three quarters, you bring him in late in the third quarter, like, oh yeah, to this guy runs a guys. four four. Yeah. 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 So, so that's, that's part of the, the scheme. I think that depth will play a role. Uh, and, you know, really on the defense, I think Texas's linebackers have um, a good lateral ability, especially DeMarvin Overshone. There's some projections that have him as like a second round draft pick. He's a guy that, that ate his way down from safety in a good way. Uh, and now is playing really, really well at the linebacker God. position. So I think that's something to uh, How long to has see. Overshone been there? It feels like he's been there for like eight years. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> It's it, I think it's year five for him. Uh, so holy crap. Yeah, he's a senior. He's okay. He's, okay. I mean, he, he has as many years as he has armbands. So okay. that like, it's like it's like reading a tree. The number of the number of rings you see yeah. is the age of the tree. I, was like, I feel like I've heard that even like the like, geez, it's like the McCoys. Like I can't get kid I can't get in my head. He was in that that big recruiting class in 2017 that like the best secondary class that okay. know, Texas has ever seen. So that's probably why you started hearing him uh, at that point. You know the the Caden Stearns, Anthony Cook, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that that recruiting class. So um, he played. He never really materialized as a safety. 
he's that he, there are always those guys that you're like you're, you're playing the wrong position and he's one of them and he's really thrived uh, as a linebacker for texas mm. well you mentioned robinson um is there any other names that oklahoma fans should kind of watch out for um i guess on offense or defense on saturday you already mentioned a couple of them but are there any, any more like maybe a receiver or someone like that that the oklahoma fans should be aware about uh, I think Xavier Worthy is a guy who who has or could have a lot to say about it. He had a really bad game against TCU, both as a receiver and as a blocker. There's actually a really – I went back and rewatched the game. There's a really funny moment where um, Casey Thompson trying to scramble for a first down in the red zone, and Xavier Worthy just blows a block, uh, and he runs out of the game. And they're trying to show Sark on the sideline coaching, and in the background wide receivers coach Andre Coleman is ripping him up one side and down the other. Uh, but he's a guy that – uh, Texas really wants to get involved in the offense uh, against Rice. He had eight, I think eight, five receptions for hundred yards and three scores. So like Texas really wants to force him. He's a guy who fits what Sark wants in a wide receiver. Uh, you know, he's big enough. He's super fast. He's another one of those, you know, 10, 300 kind of guys. So he's able to, to, to make a guy miss and he's more physical than you probably expect. So watch out for him. Jordan Whittington uh, is a, is a red shirt sophomore at this point, uh, but he's another one in the receiver room that probably and likely will have something to say on Saturday. Hopefully uh, he's been a little bit inconsistent early in the season, but really came on during, during the TCU game. So I think on offense, those are probably two guys uh, that if Texas is, Finding those two guys often, then they're probably being pretty successful. All right. So what are things that you think Texas may have an advantage against Oklahoma? And then on the opposite side, what are places where you think Oklahoma may have an edge against Texas? I mean, I think we've seen that teams that can run the ball have a little bit of an advantage uh, on the Sooners, and I think that's something that Texas has an advantage. You know, I was looking at uh, the advanced stats. I'm, I'm like an advanced stats nerd, and mm-hmm. so um, OU on the ground is not necessarily – like the run defense is good, and they're like on a per-game basis they're good, but right. like their stuff rate isn't super great. I think they're only – uh, like it's like a 16% stuff rate, so it's not super high. Um, you know, defensively they're they're – they're giving up, uh, I think, what almost uh, I'm trying to look at like 16% on their like front seven havocs. Like it's not necessarily a super great mm-hmm. number, but I think on the on the whole, I think probably the run game is a big advantage for Texas. And I think uh, they can they can limit OU's possessions. And that's always good against a team that if they get going, they're going to get going really fast. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I think Nebraska did uh, anything worthwhile against them. And I think the advantage that OU probably has is their defensive front, like their defensive, like, and it, I feel like I'm talking to both sides of my mouth, but like the OU defensive line and linebackers terrify me, like, especially with the struggles that Texas had against Arkansas a team that was going to be big and body and, and kind of be physical, you know, you know, a guy like, uh, like Nick Benito absolutely freaking terrifies me. Um, Perry and Winfrey absolutely freaking terrifies me. Uh, those are two guys that like, you're going to have to dedicate at least two bodies to on a lot right. of plays. And so it creates a numbers advantage for the defense. And so like, I, I sound like every, every old message board commenter, but I really feel like this is a game that's going to be decided in the trenches on Saturday. But, no, but that, that's why that's why the line is so close because nobody yeah. really knows what to expect. Yeah. 
it's it's it is a game that's going to be decided by offensive and defensive lines and i think ou's defensive you know line and linebackers really good i think texas's offensive line is coming on i think ou's offensive line is not as good as it has been in years past uh, and i think texas's defensive front is still a little soft but i think there are guys that really like to play in dallas along that unit and i think they'll they'll be up for the game on saturday hmm. so Best guess here. What do you think is the most realistic outcome of this game? Oh man, I'm like that's why I don't bet. I'm like the world's worst picker. <laughs> um, I think I think I think everybody has it right. I think this is like a field goal game. I don't know who wins yeah. it, but I think it's decided uh, on Burkich or, or or Dicker. I think one of those two guys is going to trot on for a late late field goal that decides it. I think that is the likeliest outcome. If I'm like sorting outcomes in like order of likelihood, I think like. One, like field goal game or like one mm-hmm. touchdown game far and above. I don't think either of these teams uh, wins in a blowout. I think if one team wins in a blowout, it's probably the people in crimson, not the people in burn orange. If, if, if my, but again, I've, you know, there's an old saying, if, if you, uh, I'm not, it's like a Stockholm syndrome thing. Like it's been 10 years of like Texas just <laughs> crapping the bed. Right. So I'm like, I've been hurt before. You don't you, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me for a decade. Maybe I'm the idiot. Right. So mm-hmm. like, that's, that's my, my, uh, my Stockholm syndrome with Texas popping up. But I really think likeliest outcome, it's a tight score. And because, you know, I have my degree over my right shoulder, uh, I have to, I have to say it's Cameron Dicker winning the, winning the game off his foot, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it go the other way. What a shame that Gus Johnson is not going to be on the call for Come this on. game. Yeah. Come on. What a shame. What a shame. The dicker, the kicker, all the shouting, all that other stuff. But man, but before before we let me go, I got one question for you, and then and then we'll get on. Who is your favorite Oklahoma Sooner of all time? Does not have to be football related. You asked me this: who my favorite Texas person was in oh, the man. off season. I want to know who your favorite Oklahoma Sooner is of all time. Oh, that's so tough. Um, like Lon Kruger is the nicest, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Like I expected Lon Kruger to be really nice. And then I met him. I'm like, how are you nicer than what I anticipated? So he's one of the, he's a guy that I really like. I am also a big Trey young fan. I mm. love somebody that embraces like the villain role that was cast on him in the playoffs. Yes. Like, the, yeah. the bow after the playoff game in the garden, like talk about onions. Like it was beautiful. So like, I like, I'm mad that Trey Young made me love a sooner, but like I'm really kind of falling in love with Trey Young as a, as a professional, and it, it feels almost it feels like I'm cheating on someone. I don't know why it does, but that's what it feels <laughs> like to me. The funny thing about that is that I asked this the same question uh, a couple weeks ago uh, to somebody uh, to the West Virginia folks, and they also said their favorite sooner was Long Kruger. So I think that's hilarious. <laughs> so to random. Me. So He's hilarious. Such a nice guy. He is a nice guy. That's He's what so everybody nice. said. But all right, Gerald, thanks for coming on the pod. Talk some Texas football with us, previewing some of the game. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff, man. Absolutely. So if uh, if you're into Longhorn sports or you're like me and just like college football podcasts, you can check me out. Uh, Burn Orange Nation podcast feed with the Longhorn Republic. Our Twitter feed at Longhorn Pod. We kind of just go out there and troll quite a bit like we got. Uh, we were trolling the Aggies earlier because that was what everybody was doing today. The a and Yell leaders were the main character of Twitter, and that was a <laughs> great day Love it. for me and my Twitter interactions. You can also check me personally out on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. I talk a lot about like 
weird things my kid does and just like nerdy <laughs> movie stuff. So that's really all of my Twitter content. Uh, but if you're into that sort of stuff, check me out there. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. And we're looking forward to a game this Saturday. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I hope it's fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. All right. So what do we think about what Gerald said? Uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of it, usually when we have someone on, they have different opinions than we do as right. far as how the game's going to go. Uh, it echoes a lot of what we kind of are feeling about this game as far as it being a relatively close game. We're not exactly sure who to pick at this point. Um, and we know exactly who the star players are. Yeah, it's so weird because Texas, I mean, they beat the hell out of Texas Tech, but who doesn't for the most part, right? They're, right. They're, Texas Tech's defense is still awful. They beat Louisiana Lafayette, who came into the season, you know, pretty with, with a pretty good idea of as far as like, you know, we with that with them being good. Uh, and they put away uh, Louisiana Lafayette pretty well. And they did all that stuff. And then they also had games uh, against Arkansas where they just got paddled in front of everybody, just beaten to smithereens. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, there's that. And then you've got Oklahoma, which out of the gates has been struggling to put together a complete performance for all all four or five games that they've, they've competed in so far they've and they've had flashes lately of hey they put together two quarters here they put together three quarters here the kansas state game they put together almost like three and a half quarters of like legit good football despite the amount of possessions they've received and then of course everything went went wrong and and so it's just it's so interesting to get gerald's viewpoint on things and by the way people that are listening like Feel free to hop in the comments and ask questions and interact with us as well. But, but Gerald, first, first and foremost, Gerald is my favorite Longhorn 364 days out of the year, except on OU Texas Day. He and those dudes, him and Kyle Carpenter are wonderful people. Um, so thoughts on the game. We know it's going to be close, right? We, we, we right. feel like it's going to be close. We feel like Texas offensive line is a little bit soft. Uh, OU likes to stunt. Uh, we I haven't heard the name Leron Stokes in a while, which is like I don't even know he's like, on the team anymore. That's the that's the thing, right? Because like it was like oh he's coming back, and then is he even with the team anymore? Jalen Redmond is out with the, with the meniscus. We get news that Danny like Danny Stutzman's dad is tweeting out like guess who's back? So Stutzman <laughs> might be back and might actually play in the game, and so. Kind of heading into the game, what are your where are your thoughts at? What what does OU need to do to be successful? Obviously, like run the ball, but what does right. Oklahoma need to do to be successful for this game? Well, we talk about the offensive line and its woes and how that's probably going to decide the game. I think one thing we haven't really touched on yet um, is the passing game, and Texas is not a very good passing defense. They allow a lot of yards. They allow a lot of a lot of efficiency, um, especially in the fourth quarter where we've seen Spencer Rattler um, kind of key into the game and kind of be that guy that we thought he was. Um, so I'm looking at that fourth quarter and just watching. I think they're allowing 80% of passes in the fourth quarter or something like that, mm. a little over 80% of passes. Wow. Um, so I'm definitely watching down the stretch. Um, obviously, you want to get that ground game going early, early and often. 
Um, but in that fourth quarter, when the ball is in Rattler's hands, I think that could be the deciding factor there. And we've seen some, like, and honestly, Rattler's taken a lot of flack, but I feel like he's played, I think, I feel like he's progressed each and every game, especially in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter of many of those games. Mm. Do, do, am I wrong? Or do, how, how do you feel about that? I need to go back and look at the stats, but I think he's been, it's not perfect, but it's nearly perfect as far as just his last couple drives. Um, and when they, when they really need him to step up, he's been that guy for them. Like you go back to that West Virginia game, that last, those last two series that he, he, uh, you know, kind of engineered and was like the guy throwing things on dimes. They went, yeah, they and went darts. tempo and yes, one hundred. He was hitting every pass, making so. adjustments at the line of scrimmage. You fast forward to Kansas State, <clears throat> the guy oh, oh, like misses what three passes and one of them's a drop, and so. <laughs> It's like what what else what else do you want from 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 the guy? He's, he's progressing, of course that's what we want. And of course, Lincoln Riley as we've seen over the last court over the course of the K-State game, you in in the latter half of the West Virginia game, you saw a lot more rollouts giving Rattler a little bit more time if he didn't have that pass pro, uh, pass protection as you would normally see under a Bill Beatonbow offensive line. And so like of course the run game and something that Gerald brought up, which I thought was interesting, because from our point of view, is a little bit different, right? He mentions the defensive line, and he mentions the linebackers. And <laughs> the linebackers the aren't too good right now. The defensive line, I mean, Perry and Winfrey, when he's not being held, um, when, when he's not being double teamed, is good. Um, of course, you've got Perry and Winfrey. You've got Jordan Kelly. Isaiah Coe has been playing really well, mm-hmm. and I think he's this week. Uh, you, of course, Redmond's out with the meniscus. Uh, Isaiah Thomas has been well. Uh, Nick Benito's going to maybe be a first-rounder, second-rounder type guy, just elite talent. And so at the defensive front is excellent and immaculate. They're fantastic. The linebackers themselves, a big issue. So like that's why we come up and say, hey, I mean – Danny, Danny Stutzman's dad saying, guess who's back. And, and so like, we're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Stutzman might be back. And cause, cause I think about this is that in, in our, in our good friend, friend of the pod, friend in general, uh, Brady Trantham brought this up about putting Stutzman into early, maybe hindering his progress. But I, I, I viewed it as, you know, Stutzman played almost the entire Western Carolina game from beginning deep into the third fourth quarter Mm -hmm. as far as i i just assume that was brian odom saying hey this guy has what asamoa aguaybu or whoever else doesn't he has the mental capacity to understand those crossing routes be where he needs to be and just get real game reps instead of situational reps in actual football games and so the fact that stats stutzman may be back gives me a lot of hope for he may actually be playing a lot of downs and you saw a lot of Caleb Kelly uh, against Kansas State, which I was not yep. expecting. And so the guys over at Just OK Sports, uh, another great podcast that I recommend to you guys, if you guys are uh, Thunder and Sooner fans, that everyone chanting for backup Q- QB, which Caleb <laughs> Williams did throw that pass to, to Mari Williams this last week. And it went for like over like what, almost about like 20, 20 yards. yards. Yeah. yeah. He said, uh, they say just okay. Sports says everyone chanting for backup QB, but no chance for a backup offensive line or offensive line coach. 
And I was thinking to myself this. I was thinking, man, Tyrese Robinson cost OU on that 15-yard penalty on the kickoff, which led Almost directly. It, it, it made the game more clo- too close for comfort. And I was thinking, man, at what point do you just sacrifice Tyrese Robinson's three to four holding penalties and or false starts in the personal foul penalty after the play for Eric Swenson in the <laughs> safety net you might have there. To, and you know what you're getting in Swenson, which I think is a good point that they bring up. Like, what do you think about that? Like, do, would you, would you be willing to sacrifice Swenson knowing what you have there in lieu of Tyrese, Tyrese mm. Robinson's penalties that kind of kill drives at times because Chris Murray holds occasionally. You don't really have that many issues with Rame. Really, you haven't really had that many issues with Rame. Hayes, he's a little bit of a hothead, but he doesn't really cost you that many penalties in the left tackle. I mean, those guys are between Harrison and Wanye Morris haven't really been in the game that much to, to have those penalties. And Robinson's really been the guy that has hindered the, those drives on the offensive line. So what, what, what are your thoughts there? Because I'm kind of conflicted because I've always crapped on Eric Swenson, but now <laughs> I'm like, well, crap. Like, what what is it? What is the alternative? You you have these these penalties that have not. It's not been a season thing, right? It's been over several seasons that we've seen this happening. And so, do you opt for this safety net and what you know what you're getting, or do you opt for upside and hope he just keeps his cool? What do you think? That's a tough question because I wouldn't love moving Sw- uh, Swinton back in, but you know if, this is a game where. Oklahoma in the past has had so many penalties and they've come out ahead in this game. I don't think Oklahoma can afford to shoot themselves in the foot and still win a game. I think they have to play not a perfect game, but they can't, they can't keep doing what they're doing. So uh, Swinson's a guy that yes, he's not great, but you know what you get. And he's a guy that's played a lot of football. Um, So he kind of understands the offense, understands his role. Um, and if he can just limit the mistakes, he is the better option. Uh, if Tyrese Robinson keeps on committing, uh, you know, just stupid penalties here and there. It's just, it's just unreal to me because again, if, if it was like a once or twice, once a game or uh, here or there, every other game, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be an issue. Right. But it's consistently an issue, not near, not every game, but consistently nearly every game where it, it's a drive killer, especially if you don't have a run game. And so and especially it's, it's a point of the game where you can put the game away and it's right. allowed teams back into the game. Of course. Right. Like, like in K-State, you back the ball up from, you back the ball up from the, I got excited. You get the ball from the 35 Talk to the 20 Swenson. yard line. <laughs> And and then next thing you know, it's a kickoff return for a touchdown. It, it's six point game, offensive, and you've got an onside kick, and you've got like PTSD from the <laughs> Oregon game, and and then you have the double kick, which was oh my gosh, that was that, that, that was spectacular. Fun. That was that was what 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 a freaking call! What a freaking call by the OU guys upstairs to recognize. Did they talk about that in the twice. press conference at all? As far as like who would call that down? Well, the referees explicitly came out and said, like in in and I mentioned the OU seventeen that they just straight up missed the call. They didn't see the double kick, and so when OU saying he kicked it twice, go review it. And OU has eyes in the sky and up up in the video board. 
I was like, what of a hell of a call and recognition yeah. to see that. That that's incredible. And that of course, oh, you didn't score and they got the ball at K State's 35, but of course they're talking about Texas, but it's still what what a hell of a call for them. But Grinch is unhappy. I mean, like that's that's his MO anyways. Uh, but he explicitly states he has guys that don't like to practice. And what I took it as is this. It's not that he has guys that on the defense that don't want to practice, that don't want to be there, that don't that don't want to just do whatever. He has guys that are just showing up to practice as warm bodies, going through the motions, and not actively trying to get better like a guy like Danny Stutzman, like a guy like Ethan Downs, etc. Is that kind of your take on that? Yeah, and this is a problem I think a lot of programs run into, but especially at Oklahoma. Um, when you get these higher rated recruits, um, their, I guess, perception of themselves is, in, is inflated to some point where, you know, I've been the best player on the field mm. um, without really having to work too hard. I'm just a physically gifted guy. And that doesn't always translate at the next level. So sometimes it's hard to get guys to buy into, you know, your talent is there, but there's a road ahead and you have to put in the work to get there. And uh, this is probably what he's referring to as far as some of these higher rated guys, maybe not committing themselves as much to practice or the weight room or something like that. I mean, it makes me think of, it makes me think of Mike Stoops. Remember a while back when Trey Brown wasn't starting, who wasn't, who was Trey Brown not starting over because he didn't practice. Oh my gosh. So was Was it Norwood? No, I think it was it Jordan Thomas, maybe? No. Regardless, regardless, Trey Brown wasn't playing despite him being one of the brighter spots because he was a freshman. He hadn't been mm-hmm. he hadn't been indoctrinated by Kerry Cooks and his philosophies, thank goodness. And he, Trey Brown was wouldn't stay after practice to get him more reps. And so I thought that was so, so, so interesting. And and going on to injuries, do you think injuries are kind of also hampering this defense as well? You're, you missed Stutzman for a while, which I think would have gotten a crap ton of playing time West Virginia, Kansas State game as well. But you're also in, 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 in the, you're also missing maybe, I think DTY may be back this week, mm-hmm. but Woody Washington, that, there's no diagnosis for his injury. Like I've, I've looked several places, can't find, can't look. I, I I've literally have no idea what's going on with Woody Washington. If you look at the press releases, it just says it's, it's unknown. So I don't know how long he's out for or what he's out for. And then of course you've got Jalen Redmond. And so when we think about, cause, cause when I thought about Alex Grinch and his talking about some, we have guys that don't like to practice. I thought about what Brian Odom's also been tweeting out. I thought about the linebacker group. You're, we're not worried about the defensive line. Yeah. We, the, the Sooners have developed depth, depth there. The secondary could be better. I mean, Jaden, you would rather have Woody Washington in place of Jaden Davis. Uh, but for the most part, the secondary, you feel comfortable, especially with that defensive line. It's the linebackers that I think that he's referring to with Brian Asamoa, Deshaun White, and a couple and David Aguebu, some of those guys in the middle that developed a reputation last year that aren't nec- that are resting, maybe resting on their laurels, 
that aren't living up to those expectations this year. But do you think injuries are also hampering kind of the progression of this defense? A little bit. I think it probably wouldn't have fixed everything, but having Stutzman there um, gives you a piece that you can plug and play and kind of push these guys along. You can send a message to some guy that's maybe not playing 100%. Maybe he missed so-and-so practice. Maybe he's just not committed to the film room, something like that. You can throw Stutzman in because even if you make the same mistakes, you want a true freshman making those mistakes and not like a redshirt junior or a senior right. or something like that. Of course. So you'd rather go with a younger guy that's going to, you know, he's going to mess up because that's just what younger guys do, but he's going to do it full speed. He's going to, he's going to make plays here and there. And you're just going to live with the mistakes with a senior guy. You don't want to live with mistakes. That's not what they're there for. They should either be in the NFL or they shouldn't be playing. It's in exactly what Alex Grinch said earlier in the off season. He said, or maybe it was last season. I can't remember saying that we have, we have guys in the program. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He, he said, we have guys in the program that they just, they go to OU and they essentially just wait their turn to play. And he said, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not the process at OU. That should never be the process. The best players will play. And so what you mentioned about high profile players, you know, expecting to get on the field, expecting to get these this praise, expecting to get play well. Uh, Just okay, sports. They mentioned they're watching from YouTube. I believe they said the quote that he had about Lachlan McCutcheon. You know, never having a bad practice in high school is telling and lines up with what you were saying. And so Sam Wright from Facebook says they asked what do we think about the defense not getting off the field and letting others run the clock, keeping the offense on the sideline. And like, it's so interesting because Kansas State. Oklahoma got them off the quote unquote Oklahoma was able to get them off the field on third down, but then it was the freaking fourth downs if the fourth and mids that they were just not able to get them off the field. So like, what can Oklahoma do here? Is this just Alex Grinch needing to dial up more pressure as he did in the Kansas state game later on as the, as the game progressed or, is this just a, a means of Oklahoma just needs to figure out what the heck to do over the middle? Because a lot of what's killing Oklahoma are a, these cushions and not, not trusting your secondary. Cause Jaden Davis wasn't trusting in Pat fields to be in positions in uh, behind him, but also these crossing routes that are killing linebackers over the middle. Yeah. I think it just goes back to what we were talking about. The linebackers just aren't playing well. And that affects you on, on those third, third down um, and fourth down plays where they can, like you can look at a linebacker and you can play around that guy at this point. We, we know what this linebacker is going to do because we've seen it for five games now. Um, so on third and fourth down, when maybe not a lot's working, maybe you can't really get it over the top because um, Pat Fields is playing pretty decent. DTY when he was in, he's playing pretty, de- even Justin Broyles is, not great, but he's playing decent. These he's playing better than I thought yeah, he would. He's playing better than I thought he would. Are a liability, and it hurts on third and fourth down. And that's and that's why like people are like I'm like I'm excited. Like I, just before we got on the podcast, Danny Sutzman may be playing tomorrow. Like maybe right, suiting up tomorrow, but maybe with a brace. You know those braces that they put on under the shoulder pads. But more than happy because that's a dude that Brian Odom and those guys have been just completely shining a light on. I think he, he was in, he's he played in all the games that Oklahoma has played so far until he got injured. He played well into the third, fourth quarter, of that Western Carolina game. I assume just to get snaps, make those reads, uh, make the right calls when he's in. 
And I think that's a big part. I, and I think it's a real, a real thing because mm-hmm. the defensive line I feel comfortable with the secondary when the defensive line is getting pressure, especially with Nick Benito. Nick Benito has been so close on a lot of QB pressures and sacking it. And, and it's the linebacker play where this there's a zone that just opens up right over the middle where you've got Deshaun White, Brian Asamoah, who Brian Asamoah can cover laterally, but he's not a guy that's been able to cover over the middle. David yep. Aguebu, kind of similar not situation. A not a cover guy at all. He's a guy that will be there that could really do some damage with Bijan Robinson and in, in, in read options or zone reads with Casey Thompson. Um, but I, it's a concern. And so I, I, that's why I think they love Stutzman so much. And besides the fact that Stutzman came in with a, basically a college football body already ready to go. So heading towards the end of this podcast, what do we see actually happening in this game? Do we do, are we on the same page as Gerald? Do we see this game coming down to like a last possession or like a last few possessions in the fourth quarter? Is this a game that drags out a little bit longer? Hopefully it's not like a four overtime game like last year. What do you see realistically happening in this game? I could see Texas getting out to an early lead. I I don't think they hold it because I don't think their defense is that great. And I think Oklahoma's kind of not, not found the rhythm, but they're starting to find a rhythm on offense. And I think that will carry them in. Um, Even if you're like down by halftime, I think Oklahoma really puts it together. Um, in the third and fourth quarter where where Texas begins to struggle. Um, so I could see this being a close game up until about the third quarter. And I could see Oklahoma pulling away if they wanted to. They've they've got to limit the mistakes and they've gotta they've gotta get some consistent line play. But um if they can just limit the mistakes in the second half, I could see Oklahoma winning this one by a touchdown or maybe a touchdown and a field goal. And, and I think the emergence of Mike Woods over the last two weeks, I was going to say that as well. Yeah. Has been a big part of this offense. I mean, he clearly over the last two weeks was a guy that wants to win, but also wants to showcase his talents. You, you, you know, Hazelwood is not the, maybe the guy that we've seen. We thought he was going to be yet. I'm just saying yet you've got uh Theo Weese coming back soon. Uh, hopefully in the next few weeks, Drake Stoops has had some very clutch receptions. Marvin Mims, you saw him actually get involved in the action in the second half against Kansas State, which was was pleasant. Austin Stogner, of course, you want to get him more involved. But, man, Kennedy Brooks, you still you still need that run game. You still need to get that run game. And I think Oklahoma going to that zone run scheme, and and I think, I think Eric Gray is going to get plenty of playing time this weekend. I really do. I think Kennedy Brooks is going to rush the ball. Maybe 20 times. I think you'll get you'll see Eric Gray maybe get 10 touches and quite a few more opportunities in the past game uh, that Lincoln Riley loves to save for those Texas games because in a zone in a zone run blocking scheme, I think Eric Gray he could plant that foot like Bijan Robinson and just cut up field and get 20 yards right. like, like Bijan could. And so I think it, I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. And like we mentioned with Gerald, honestly, I have no idea what to expect from this game. I, I could see it being a field goal game. I could see Oklahoma winning by to 10 to, to 17. I could see Texas winning by 10 and maybe yep. even meeting them back up in the Big 12 title game because Oklahoma's, I think, there are clearly are progressing as the season goes along. Again, learning how to win. Spencer Rattler, I think, is maturing in his role as the season goes on, especially with these tight games. I think... 
I think with these tight games, it's a cardiac Sooners is causing us like heart attacks at the end of games. But I think it's helping his maturation process in winning games and making w- those winning decisions. And, and I know learning how to a, win. And, and, I, and, I, and I know I'm putting a positive spin on that, but I think that's a legitimate thing that it's learning how to win. And I think it it, it is accelerating kind of his his progression as a quarterback in these situations, especially with big situations. I mean, because last year the Cotton Bowl is not going was not as full as it's going to be this Saturday. Right. So I'm really intrigued to see how he responds, how Casey Thompson responds, and how both teams responds. I think Oklahoma, honestly, is a little bit more of the tougher team as far as grittiness. Uh, on both fronts, on the offensive and defensive line, despite Oklahoma making more boneheaded mistakes on the offensive line. So we'll see. Uh, of course, as we know, football is a game that's one in the trenches. So I could see I could see this game going either way. I mean, I know, that, I know that's a cop-out, but that's also why the line is so <laughs> close, right? And so, I mean, I'll say Oklahoma by three. And you mentioned Oklahoma seven, maybe ten. Who knows? They could pull away. I'll go with ten. We'll go, just and, to be different. Just, just for depth, depth, and the idea that Sark and those guys are still dealing with the change in their program, where Oklahoma knows what to expect. Oklahoma comes in with a chip on their shoulder. Oklahoma comes in with you know all the guys that know what to expect and a lot of other things. So I don't, I don't, I don't know who's gonna win. I'm expecting a good game though. But before we head out, there has not been a lot of like really angry <laughs> chatter between OU and Texas fan bases this week. And it's a weird year for that. It's been so weird that typically we've had, you know, last year or the year before, remember the, the, the deep Barrett guy that talked all that trash and all suddenly just like went just like radio silence on Twitter uh, we haven't seen that much trash talk between the fan bases. And I think I, I think part of it's anxiety of like we don't know what's going to happen, but also AM has just been a laughing stock considering what they've said they were going to do this year and what they have not been able to do this year. And also, do you think part of it has to do with this weird brotherhood as far as like hey, as soon as this year's out, we're going to the SEC. Yeah. So who cares anyways? Like I think- what, what do you think's at play here? <laughs> I have not done my job as to like cause some chaos on Twitter. So I think my, I might devote like an hour or so tomorrow just to put some, some trolling out there just to get things going. It's, it's what Thursday when people are going to listen to this, we got to get things going. So um, I think some of it honestly is kind of like a little brotherly love. It's like, Hey, the big 12 is over. Like that nightmare is done. As soon as this year's over, maybe worst case scenario next season, we're, we're heading to greener pastures. We're both going to benefit off this. So it's a little bit of brotherly love as far as just saying goodbye to the Big 12 and hello to the SEC. Bob Bowlesby's going to be so pissed once that's, SEC Yeah, that's another thing. And, and from watching from YouTube, Roberto Zavala, he says, Boomer Sooner, some Matamoros, Matamoros, Tamaulipas, Mexico. I think that's actually really, really cool. But man, it, it's... It's so interesting, and I think, of course, both th- both teams, I mean, Oklahoma, after the Texas game, historically performs, for some reason, at a level higher than they normally do. I don't know why that that's the case, but there's that. 
Josh Burr watching from YouTube also says 43-17 OU wins. He's manifesting the energy right now. Let's let's be like Goku and create a spirit bomb. Let's manifest all this energy and 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 hopefully the Sooners will put on a great performance. We haven't seen Oklahoma blow out O Texas since the Stoops years, it feels like. Because Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, like they've had teams on paper that should have beaten the hell out of Texas, but that that hasn't been the case. So I'm it's so intriguing. But man, I'm I am I in our guys at just okay says it is the fear of the real, very real possibility of losing <laughs> as far as the radio silence on both sides of the front because nobody sh- nobody knows, but they go, I'm I'm gonna assume it's Daryl that's in making his comments, but he says OU 2320. Okay. And that that honestly sounds quite a bit qu- quite right. But again, don't know what to expect. But I'm Is there gonna be an SEC chat? Chant, there, uh, dude, there will. There, it's got to be before the, be, the game, though, at right? At the beginning of the game. Yeah, you can't do it after the game. At the beginning of the game, there will be an SEC chant, and I think who at I think whoever wins at the end of the game will begin another SEC chant. <laughs> okay. I, I don't think there will be any of that brotherhood in between. But before college game day in the morning, before the game, and after the game, I think there will be SEC chants. After the game, of course, I think it will be the team that wins. But... That's all I've got for the podcast. Do you have anything else left to say? Um, I mean, if you want a reliable social media platform, uh, follow us on Twitter, but also Discord. Um, it's been going all week. I've been kind of missing. I've been MIA with work, but it's been going all week. Um, another thing I guess we've never really popped up is is go read Crimson and Cream Machine. Um, Alan, Seth, and Jack, they put out a ton of content, so go over there um, and read you some good content. So those are my two plugs. Yeah, that, that's really it, you know? You can follow us on Twitter if you're watching us on YouTube or on, on Twitter or, for, or Facebook. Uh, you can you can follow our ads or, or, or next to our names. I'm Kamiar at and CCM. You got Steven at OEFDATESB, at CC Machine on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We've got pages, like like you said. All those dudes at Crimson and CreamMachine.com. Wonderful jobs. And looking forward to a game on Saturday. Looking forward to the hatred on Saturday. Uh, hope it comes out on the right end, and um, I'll pull and I'll plug the Discord in the in the bio of the of the podcast if you want to join. And thanks for listening, guys, and check you guys later.